Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. We're going to keep rolling with this. Look at James, James chapter 4. Thank you guys so much, man. You guys. James 4 and 6, look at an Amplified Classic. Remember we talked about this today? I think this word can really help you. But he gives more and more, look what it says here. But he gives more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency in all others fully. This is why he says he sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. Are you there? He gives more and more what? Power of the Holy Spirit, right? So we coin grace to be power of the Holy Spirit. Is that all right? So how many of you can use the power of the Holy Spirit to help you in life? Right? And one of the things we start noticing with this is that grace is God's ability. You understand that? So when we say grace, we're going, it's God's ability. Ability in me, giving me access to do what I could not do by myself. Have you ever come up against something and you said, I don't have the ability to do this? Or it seems to be overwhelming. Remember last week we were talking about it? He said this. He said, my grace is sufficient. And in your weakness, I'm going to be made strong. It's power of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes when we're weak, we're not really weak. We're just in an opportunity to see how strong we could be with God. Everybody's been there. How are we going to do this? How's it going to work out? What are we going to do? What do we do? We lean on God's grace. So what I want you to do is get a different definition of grace and start understanding that grace is God's ability in me, allowing me to do what I could not do by myself, or it's what? The power of the Holy Spirit in me, giving me ability to do what I could not do by myself. I could live like Jesus in the earth because of it. See it? So write this down, point number one, and don't ever forget this. God gives us grace power to overcome everything. If you're facing it, God is giving you a power to overcome it. That's it. You got grace power to overcome everything. So if it's in front of you, you have the strength in Christ to overcome it. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. This is how God's always talking big to you. Greater is he. You can do all things. You're more than a conqueror. You're always victorious. How's he going to talk like that? Because he knows when you yield, he'll give you his ability. And that means you got the power of God against everything you're facing. See what I'm saying? So you're not in this thing by yourself. But here's the big thing. You ready for this? This is kind of cool, right? I think it's cool, right? You're going to face stuff that seems to be sometimes overwhelming. Yeah, but guess what? With God, he gives you the strength to overcome all of it. That sounds so like, yeah, but guess what? How do we got to get an understanding of this? My grace is sufficient. What's that mean? I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Ghost to overcome. That's the key. Because everybody in life, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody in life has to realize this. God, sometimes in positions that we get stuck in in the earth, it's going to look like we can't pull it off, but with God, we can. That's why you got to be a yielder. This is big. Check this out. You got to sometimes go, 
Because you'll never do anything if you don't think God's going to meet you in the middle. Oh, I'm going to start the business. Yeah, well, guess what? The minute you step out, you got to believe God in the middle of the thing, he's going to show up. Oh, I'm going to start the new job. you got to believe God's going to meet you in the middle of it. And then you think, well, I can't do it. Well, that's a good place to be because once you can't do it, he can. you got to yield to this stuff. We've been talking about it. So what do you do? Just ask him. I told him this morning. It was funny. I said, here's your simple prayer. God help me. Say it. You know what I mean? Don't get all fancy what you're praying. God help me. God, can you help me? God, can you give me the strength? God, can you, you know, kind of kind of help me navigate this season. Hey, this is a lot. Can you yield? You know what I mean by yield? Remember we told you what yielding is? Humility. What is humility? What's the proper definition of humility? I don't think a lot of people know the proper definition of humility, and therefore we kind of stay away from the word. Humility is just yielding from your own opinion. You want me to go slow with this because you're taking notes? Humility is, okay, to become humble, right, Humble or humility is to yield from your own opinion. Withdraw from your own opinion. Right? Right? So you see, like if you say, okay, God said this, and you have a different opinion of God, yield. God said this in his word, whatever it is. Healing, prosperity, fix your family, help your family, marriage, whatever it is. Right? He can help you. You got to just step away from your own opinions. My opinions have to line up with the word of God. To be humble means I yield my opinion. I withdraw. I, I kind of take a step back. I don't become kind of like a little staunch with my ideas because some of the things I believe aren't right. But when I bring what I believe before the world, well, I don't think it. No, when I bring what I believe before the word of God, though how many of you know the word of God is the only truth, so I yield from my own ideas. I yield from my own opinions. I yield from my own suggestions. And I take the word of God and put it first place in my life. That's humility. So God says he resists the proudful, but he gives grace into the humble. Does that make sense? So what's humility? I'm yielding from my own opinion. And I'm taking God's opinion to be my opinion. See what I'm saying? So it's like, and we're doing it, but we do it even greater when we're conscious of it. Does that make sense like that? You know what I mean? Like, hey, wait a minute. No. What God say about this? You ever get mad? All right, here, watch. You ever get mad? Okay, you ever not want to walk in love? You know what I mean? Like you get in an argument, you're like, I'm not walking in love. I don't really care. And you're walking around like, I'm not walking in love. I'm not walking in love. I'm not going to walk in love. I can't hear you, Jesus. La, 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 la. And then you're like, walk in love. La, 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 la. You don't want to get, right? You're like, I'm not doing it. And then you get quiet, and he's like, you know you're being a big baby. You, yeah, you, know, do you ever get this? I get this all the time. God tells me I'm being a big jerk. I'm a little rougher than most of you guys. It's not being a jerk on the inside, right? And, and, and be mature and, and say you're sorry or do what you want to do. Now, how many of you stood there for like a day or two? You know what I mean? Like, I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> It's okay, we all do it, right? And then every time you get quiet, he's like, hey, you know what you got to do? Go make it right, man. And then what do you usually do? After a day or two or three for some of you stubborn ones, you kind of go and say, I'm sorry, or whatever it is. But you see what I'm saying? You're yielding. That's the yielding. I'm hearing and I'm adjusting. So that's what it is. Hear, adjust. And God is long-suffering. So he's okay if it takes you time. 
but he wants to see you adjust because he wants to give you his ability to do it. Now, can I, can I show you something here? Have you ever, now this is going to be, this is going to be big, so just hang on. Have you ever had to do something that was really beyond your own strength? And you did it, but the minute you took a step towards saying, I would do it, he gave you the strength to do it. And it was worked out easier than you thought it was because you almost did it in your ability you didn't even know you had until you stepped out. That's how God does it. See, check this out. We never see the potential in a guy like David until Goliath shows up. We didn't even know what that kid could do. He looked like a sack lunch kid. Like, who's this kid? His own daddy didn't think he was qualified. He's like, now leave him home. He ain't even the right kid. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know the story about David? They're like, hey, man, go get your sons and bring them. I'm going to anoint one of them to be king. They're like, all right, here they are. And the prophet showed up and said, don't, you must have another one because these ain't it. He's like, you want David? That joker's over there with the sheep. He's like short and messed up, got crazy looking hair, you know, whatever his deal. I don't know. His own dad didn't even invite him. Probably got an inferior co- uh, inferiority complex, right? Like, and he goes, no, go get him. That's the one I want. He anoints him to be king and still people don't get it. Go back and hang out with sheep. One day Goliath showed up and David literally was bringing lunch. He's an Uber driver. David is officially the first Uber driver that ever was in the Bible. Yeah, he's DoorDash. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, he's DoorDash and Uber. And, uh, yeah, DoorDash. What is them things? I don't know. Grubs. Uh, yeah, whatever that. I, my kids use all this stuff. I don't use none of it. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they go drop it off, right? DoorDash, delivery guy, right? David, I brought the lunch. And while he's there hiding, this Philistine's screaming. He's like, why are you letting this guy scream about God like this? And all of a sudden, I'll fight him. Everybody's laughing. Saul put armor on him, didn't fit. So I can't do this, man. Let me just go with what I know. God's been with me in the beginning. He was with me with a slingshot and a, slingshot and a rock. I could fight him. Are you? We don't see the potential in that kid until the problem shows up. So sometimes in life, what may look like a problem is really your promotion in disguise. So don't freak out. Just keep throwing rocks. You'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? Don't ever get to the place where you get overwhelmed by this stuff because God's power will kick in. I know sometimes that sounds good, but you've got to get that. Why is that so important? Look at Hebrews 4.14. I think this can really, really help you if, you, if you if you pull this in. Because how many of you know God has a plan that's greater than our plan? You know what's funny? We don't trust God when we don't know his plan. You ever notice that? We get real, it gets real difficult for us to trust him because um, we don't know the plan and we can't trace him. And sometimes when you don't think you could see God or feel God or know what God's doing, we, we lack the ability to think we can trust him in the moment because in these seasons of the unknown, he gave you grace for this place. But sometimes when you're in it, you don't feel like he's there. And because you don't feel like he's there, you kind of get to the point where you're like, where, you know, where are you at? You think God would really leave you? You think God would really forsake you? You think God would really just leave you in limbo and not really help you out? 
Now, I'm not telling you life ain't going to try to knock the wind out of you. That's the God's honest truth. But God knew it was coming before it showed up and got a plan for you. Trust him, man. I think sometimes because we feel like we have not followed very well that the things in life happen to us because of our own decisions. I got news for you. Even in your stinking decisions that you make, God ain't forsaken you. The Bible said nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not height, nor depth, nor length, none of this stuff. So there's nothing you're going to do to separate you from God's love and God's presence. Now, we should try to follow as best we can, but I think sometimes we don't follow that well, and then we think, well, you know, we kind of deserve it. We didn't follow that well. I got news for you. That's stinking thinking. Get rid of that stuff. God doesn't care whether you follow. He would love for you to follow well, but he's not going to determine the seasons of your life based upon how well you follow sometimes. Well, let me prove it to you. You ever follow real close? Been really, really there, and everything seems like it's wacky? So you're telling me that the ups and downs of life are based upon how well you follow? Obviously, that can't be true because when I was following really, really good, it seemed like I was fighting some of the greatest battles of my life. So if following really well doesn't remove some of the obstacles, then following really bad can't create obstacles. I'm just walking through a season timeline with God. Some of the seasons I know, some of the seasons I don't know, but he's still God. Some of the seasons I can feel him. Some of the seasons I don't know where he is. Some of the seasons I can hear him. Some of the seasons I think he don't talk anymore. Some of the seasons of life seem to be good. I can tell you what the future holds. Ups, downs, happy, sad. Life. Coming. But guess what? He's still same God. He didn't go nowhere. And he gave you grace for every place even when you don't understand what's going on. And that's the most important thing you can remember. Because until you understand the character of God, you're going to question God. Until you understand the character of God, you will question God in every season of your life. And until you understand who he is, you don't understand what he does. Because God's good all the time, even when we're not good. God's merciful even when we're not merciful. God's forgiven even when we're not forgiven. God is constantly the same no matter how we're performing because God bases nothing on your performance but everything upon his character. And he cannot change who he is and he will not change who he is and he is more of a class act to change who he is because he does not worry about your performance. He stays consistent to his character no matter how you perform. And once you understand his character, you will never question his integrity. The reason why we question God, we question his integrity because we don't really understand God's character. You don't question the integrity of someone who has great character. Never do. So why do we question God? Because once you know his character, you understand his integrity. And once you understand his integrity, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of God that he needs to repent about anything he said. Has he not said it? He will establish everything he said. So what starts happening is you start walking in in the future, understanding his character. I could care less what the future is saying to me. I know the character of the one who sent me. That's where grace kicks in. Because some of this stuff is big, man. You're like, how am I going to do this? God's like, don't worry, I got grace for that place. Just 
be comfortable in being uncomfortable and wait for grace to kick in. What he's going to do? Say it. Did you get that? So look at this Hebrews 4 one. Okay? This will help you. So this is what we got to do. We must cling in faith to all we know to be true. We have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ. The son of God who rose into the heavenly realm for us. And now sympathizes with our frailty. Been there? Come on, right? Just feel like, man, how am I going to make it? Don't worry about it. He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way just as we, and he conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. To receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Ain't that good? Point number two, write this down. Enabling grace is found in your time of need. Enabling grace, that's ability. Just write that down, I'll explain it. Does it make sense? When your time of need shows up, God already provided what you need on the other side. All you gotta do is say, hey God, come on in. Come to the throne of grace in your time of need. That means you ask him. He'll help you. What is enabling grace? I'm going to read it to you. Ready for this? And you're going to see this today. It's going to help you. It's the kind of grace that helps you overcome every difficulty you're going to face in this world. His grace will be sufficient for you. God's enabling grace allows you to do what you could otherwise not do on your own strength and ability. Stuff that would crush you, you crush it. It doesn't crush you. This kind of grace is there to help you when times of trouble show up from anything you face in this world. Think about these guys in the Bible. I was thinking about Moses, right? Moses shows up, and he has that burning bush experience, right? Now, Moses wandered around a desert. He kind of got sidetracked, you know, 11-day journey, became a 40-year mess. You know what I mean? Maybe he was just sustaining and maintaining, and, and, and he shouldn't have been there as long as he was. We all know this. But he has a burning bush experience, and out of the bush, the presence of God starts to speak to him. He said, Go into Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. You know what I mean? Kind of like moment. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like thing. You know what I mean? He has this burning bush experience that, that is explosive. God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and identified himself. God tells Moses that he would lead his people out of Egypt to a promised land. However, Moses in multiple times responded with what? Uncertainty about what God has called him to do. Moses immediately asked this question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should what? bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Questions it. Can you imagine if a burning bush was talking to you? I mean, come on, guys. Let's just put this in modern day. Even for the other days, this is pretty wild, right? You got a burning bush talking to you, going, hey, it's God. You can do it. And you're like, hey, how do I know? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? You're thinking like, come on, Moses. You need more than the burning bush. Wasn't, you know, the fire by night, cloud by day, rock flying around with water. Wasn't that enough? Here comes God. Go. Chris, you can do it. How do I know I can do it? Don't you know who I am? Yes. So what does that mean? We have some internal, whether they be insecurities or questions, we all have them. Even when God does miraculous things in front of us, we still question our ability to do. Okay. Did you get that? 
So even when God comes to you audibly and says, you can do it, you go, you sure you got the right guy? It's okay, guys. We all do it. Moses did it. Moses, I mean, we're probably doing better than Moses. Look at your neighbor say you're doing better than Moses. Look at your other neighbor say you too, right? No, I mean, think about it, right? There's a burning bush, man. Could you picture this? Here's this burning bush saying, go do this. And he's like, how am I going to do this? Don't you know who I am? God's like, what? Tell him I am. I am sent you. I am everything you need for the journey, man. Just go take the steps. After God answered Moses, he had further hesitation. You want to know what it was then? Moses then said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I don't talk right. I'm not eloquent. God knows I'm not. Neither before or since have you spoken. He said, I can't talk. Okay, I'll send Aaron with you. He could be your interpreter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, what other question do you have? God keeps answering. I can't do it. I'll give you my strength. I can't talk. I'll send the sidekick with you. I can't this. I can't. God's, come on, man. Are you here? I'm going to give you everything you need for the mission. And listen, don't, and don't beat yourself up. We all have it. Like, I don't think I can do it. Well, who in this building really thinks they can do it? You know what I'm saying? You know you need God's help. And God's sending you help. Just receive it, right? And then you think, well, Moses by now has got to figure it out, right? Moses still didn't accept it. He said, oh, my Lord, please send, what, somebody else. Although Moses was by no means perfect, the rest of his actions illustrate this, his faithful and powerful leadership, because he does. But guess what? God had to continually remind him that I'm going with you. You're not alone. See, here's the problem. We don't see God. We can't touch God. God doesn't really work with the senses real well. We just got to go off of what we heard. But guess what? If God gave you promise, he's going to back it up. If God gave you something to do, he's going to do it. Sometimes in the middle of it, we don't see him. But guess what? He's still there. And he gave you the ability to pull it off. I want you to never forget that. Because why is that so important? Because, and here's a big thing too I want to talk about. I want to do this a little different right here. I want you to go to... Go to Ephesians 4.29. I'm going to flip-flop this because it reads better this way. I want you to understand something about stuff that you need to start thinking about. You've got to understand about grace-filled words because a lot of you, stuff was spoken over you that was wrong. Okay? And I need you to hear this. Okay? Okay? Now, I'll read it slow. Let, you want to put 4.29 up there. Let them see. I know this one, right? And this is what it says. This was my scripture in Bible school because all these kids were talking goofy around me. Oh, my God. I went to school late, man. So I wasn't like a teenager, and I had all these teenage kids. Oh, my God. I was like the Pied Piper, you know. I really was, bro. I had these kids coming to me, and they're like, Uncle Sarno. That's what they were calling me because I was older. They're like, Uncle Sarno. Uncle Sarno what? I'm like, what? They're like, man, how do we do this? And they would come to me. I mean, I used to have like eight guys come over, pray, but they were younger, you know. And they'd be talking bad, man, like with their mouth, unbelieved out. And I'd be like, hey, 429, watch your mouth. And they would, we'd run around the school, right? 429. It was Ephesians 429 because I had to teach these kids, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This thing's ingrained in my heart. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but speak only that which is good to use of edification that it may minister grace into the hearer. And I would catch their mouth because I'd say, you can't talk like that. You got to start talking different. You know, you're sitting there with Brother Hagen and all these guys. And I'm like, you're still talking like a clown, man. You can't be talking like that no more. You got to train your mouth what to say. And I, and I knew what had happened. And 
what, what I started realizing with words is this, is that Jesus is asking you to do this, and I am not really good at this, and I'm really trying to get better. I'm not really good at ministering grace sometimes. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I'll say it one more time. Let them see it so it burns in their, burns in their spirit. But that which is good to the use of edifying. You know what that means? If I'm going to talk, if it doesn't build up, don't say it. That's where I'm slacking. That it may minister grace to the hearer. You know what I'm saying? Are we, are we, are we speaking grace to people? You know what I mean? Like, give, like, you know like that one joker's just shot out? You know what I mean? Just ain't got nothing right. Just be like, I don't know. He's got nice hair. I don't know. Find something nice. You know what I'm saying? It's like, kind of like, try to like, Find something that edifies. Because it's so easy to be deconstructive in our communication that sometimes the only thing we hear is, is non-edifying words. And we want to start edifying. It's, you know, edify means build up. You know what I mean? Build somebody up. If you don't minister grace, don't say it. Some things are better left unsaid. Sometimes the kindest word is an unkind word unsaid. You know what I mean? Just don't say it. Now, why, and when I said this, I got it. Grace-filled words is a grace-filled communication that could change your life. And what happens is this. Look at this one in Ephesians 5, 4. Check this out. Ephesians 5, 4. I got this in the Passion. I really like this. Excuse me. I really like this one. Look at this. Right? 5, 4 says this. This is deep too, man. This one, this one kind of cuts you to the thing. Watch, you pull it up there. But it's, be careful because this is big. A lot of you got words spoken over you that weren't right. And the reason why is this, it says, speak with a wholesome tongue. Look at this. Neither let filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Amen. Right? It's, yeah, but you got to give me the, uh, that, uh, the uh, I'm sorry. Give me that, um, yeah, that one. I get, yeah, there it is. I put it in the passion. Put it in the passion. The passion reads, guard your speech. That one I really like. It says, guard your speak and forsake obscenities. Right? Kind of like that, but the passion reads better. She'll pull it up. Right? Guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensical words that what bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. Look at that up there. Guard your speech, forsake obscenities, worthless insults, nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your hearts and spill out into your words. Now listen. Why is that so important, right? Because a lot of you got stuff spoken over you should have never been spoken. He said, only speak the good stuff. And if you're not careful, it'll start becoming a mirror on the inside you start speaking out of. Don't speak negative, but don't speak stuff you don't need to speak. You know what I'm saying? And I really felt like some of you, one of the things, man, to release these God-filled words, right-filled words, you got to be careful that you don't have a pattern of thinking because something was spoken over you. Is that okay? I know I'm hitting home, okay? Just, just roll with it, man. Look, you got to qualify people before you allow them to speak into your life. Not everybody's allowed to speak in your life. They don't deserve to. That's why I don't understand people like, oh, so-and-so. I mean, I had somebody come in there. So-and-so said, I said, so-and-so's an idiot. What do you care what so-and-so said? You know what I mean? 
Like, not trying to be funny, but like, you got some ding-dong 30 years ago told you something about yourself, like they got gospel truth. They're morons. Why are you not letting unqualified people speak in your life and you worried about it? Now, listen, some of you grew up in a home environment that was wrong. You know what I mean? Your mama's calling you stuff. Your daddy's calling you stuff. Your grandma, somebody like that. I told one guy, I said, your, your mother's ridiculous. That's kind of hard to tell somebody their mama's ridiculous, but I don't really care. I said, you, I, I, I'll tell you how I said it. it was wrong. Don't get mad at me. I said, but you should have never let that lady speak one word in your life. She's, she, she doesn't deserve it. Just because you gave birth to me don't mean you deserve the right to speak into my life. I'm sorry. Now, I thank God I got, a, I got a wonderful mother and father. Thank God. But you, some of you come out of that environment. They up in there talk, calling you name, putting this on you. Now you're walking around carrying this junk. You're 60 years old, bro. Get rid of this nonsense. You didn't know who I was. You didn't know who I was. See what I'm saying? And that's what starts happening because then I try to get you in this thing. And you need to say this. And you're like, man, all I can think of is the stuff I'm hearing in my head 30 years later. No, nah, I don't care. They don't know who they are. You, you believe what I say you are. Did you hear what I said? You believe who I tell you are because I know more about you than you know about you. The Bible says who you are. You understand this? What do these ding-dongs know? They don't know you. Talking stuff over you, they don't no right, deserve no right to speak into my life. You over there eating it up. Cut it out. It ain't ministering no grace. Did it edify you? Then get rid of it. That's what Jesus said. If, did it build you up? No, then get rid of it. Jesus told you what kind of words to speak and what kind of words to receive. There's a grace filled. If it ain't Gracefield, I ain't keeping it. I'm on something here. It's going to free you up because guess what? And I understand, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. Please understand me. I am very respectful to people's parents and something like that. But some of you grew up in a nightmare and then you coming in church and I got to try to deprogram 20 years of destructiveness and then you look at me like, how am I going to believe that about me? Easy. You don't know who you are. They didn't know who you were. I know who you are because the Bible told me who you are. Believe what I'm telling you. Minister grace. Receive it. And if it ain't got no grace attached to it, I'm not receiving it because you ain't qualifying to speak to me. So praise be to God. I do not receive what you say. I had people argue with me. Oh, glory to God. Put me in an argument. For, for you, might, you might as well go home. Why? Because I don't, re I, don't, I don't receive nothing. Yeah, I receive nothing. Half the people, you want to argue with me? I don't receive nothing. I just, I, I'm like a Rolodex to scripture. You speak and I'm like, nope, can't receive that. Nope, can't receive that. Nope, can't receive that. That's not everybody. Nope, can't receive that. No, that ain't life-giving. Nope. Blah, 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 blah. And they sound like Charlie Brown to me. Remember, she, she was, my parents were with me. Yeah, I had this nut job call up and talk on the phone for an hour. Remember that time? I put the phone down. They're critiquing me. They cut, cut, go, cuss me up a street and not screaming and yelling and weren't, weren't, weren't cuss words and foul language but word curses and all other nonsense and the phone the phone I'm not am I lot she's right there she'll tell you and they were like they were like talking about me and had something to say and had something to do and I took the phone I said hey how you doing and I put the phone right there and left it walked around we didn't have we didn't have a cell phone in the beginning, had a wire cord. You know what I'm talking about? I put it on a thing. I come back 15 minutes later, picked it up. They still going. I was like, hey, that's great. Boom, put it down. I walked away. I was sitting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, picked the phone up, put the phone down. They must have talked for I came back. Uh, if I'm no exact, I came back in an hour or something. Nuts. They're still on the phone talking. Am I kidding? I said, this lady's nuts. 
my God, my mother said, they are nuts. I said, I told you they were nuts. And, and they're still talking. I said, I said, okay, it's time to go now and hung up. What'd you get out of the conversation? Nothing. <laughs> they thought their hour conversation was helping them. They didn't help me. I didn't get one word of it. What is the matter with you? Can you imagine sitting there on that phone, letting that garbage try to come in your ear to try? You don't think the devil, the devil ain't stupid. He wants it to get in your ear so it'll get in your heart. He wants it to get in your ear so it'll get in your heart. He wants it to get in your ear so it'll get in your heart. You know what I did with that joker? I tied him up. I said, hey, put the phone right there. You ain't getting in my ear and you can't get in my heart. You ain't getting in my ear and you can't get in my heart. Now, some of you say, well, Pastor Chris, I cannot shut a human mouth up. What am I supposed to do? You can't get it in my ear. You can't get it in my heart. Oh, but wait a minute. It might have got in my ear. Well, guess what? I'm not allowing it to get into my heart. Because the Bible said guard that thing with the issues of life. Don't let nobody tell you who you are but the Bible and good parents. You know what I'm saying? But you don't listen to clowns. You don't let you qualify. You ain't allowed to speak to me. You got to have a Rolodex of who can you... No, I don't think you're qualified. <laughs> you are qualified. Why? Because if you're not careful, you'll pick up stuff you don't need to pick up. Okay, go over here. This is what you got to see today. This word will change your life. Look at me. Go to Zechariah 4, 6. This, this, this is the spot today that, man, I'll tell you what. If you get one thing, get this today. Mm. Let me give you the backstory of this real quick, okay? Zerubbabel shows up with the word of the Lord, Okay? And he's trying to figure out how to rebuild what has been destroyed. Is that okay? Now get the picture, right? I don't know why they called him Zerubbabel. They should have called him Mike. It would have been a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, good. Could have called him Mike. Should have called him Mike and said we call him Zerubbabel. Let's just call him Zerubbabel for scriptural context, okay? Who's got a name Zerubbabel? There's probably a kid somewhere named Zerubbabel because their mom and dad flipped the pages of the Bible and said, that's a hot one. Let's go with it. Zerubbabel, right? Praise <laughs> me to God. Some of you might want to name your child Zerubbabel. Try it. It could be nice. Amen. All right. Now, get this story because this is the most important part. If you don't understand the story, give me like six minutes. I'll finish. Right? If you don't get the story, you're not going to understand. I've been reading this a long time. I missed it. You're going to get it today. Okay? So Zerubbabel shows up, and Zerubbabel's like, what do I got to do? And God's like, I want you to rebuild it. And he's like, man, this place is destroyed. Rebuild what? I want you to rebuild everything. Zerubbabel's like, this is going to be hard. So he starts inquiring into the Lord, saying, how in the world am I going to do this? So have you ever been to the place where you've got a goal, doesn't look like you've attained yet? An unfinished project would be big, right? Some God project where you've got dormant dreams and you're like, where is this stuff? You have challenges that you're facing, obstacles in your way, stuff coming at you, you know, stuff you've got to figure out. This is Zerubbabel. So he inquires of the Lord, say, Lord, how am I going to build this mess? Look what happens in verse 4, 6. This is really good. He answered and spoke. So he asked the Lord, right? You read 1 through 5. Time's sake, I can't read the whole Bible to you. He asked the Lord. He said, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord came through the prophet, and this was the answer. Then he answered. Who answered? The Lord answered him. So he, had a, he asked the question. Is everybody up to snuff here? He asked the question. He said, how am I going to build this thing? It's shot out shambles, man. It's all broken. It's a mess. The dream. Have you ever felt like your dream's so far gone, you don't know if you can put it back together? You ever feel like something's so far gone, all you got is pieces laying around? 
You ever feel like, man, this project's so big, I don't know how I'm going to pull Your business guys are looking at building something so big or doing something at a grander scale or whatever's going on or something in life, and you think, well, what about the dream God gave you 30 years ago? But you think, is this really going to come to pass? This is you right here, man. This is you right here. How am I going to do this? You facing an obstacle? How am I going to do it? And the Lord came, and he said this to him. He said, and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto you who? You everybody. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, right there, that means you can't naturally pull it off. You're going to spiritually pull it off. Now, check this out. Not only does he tell him how to spiritually pull it off by the spirit of God, he shows him how to do it. And I never seen this. I've been reading the Bible 30 years. I didn't see this till last week. Check this out. Look at the next verse. What are thou, O great mountain? That's an obstacle. He's saying, this thing looks like a great mountain for Zerubbabel to pull off. This thing looks impossible. Before him, you shall become a flat land. See what he's saying? He's saying, that obstacle standing before him ain't going to be no mountain. It's going to be a paved parking lot. You hear? You better be paying attention. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, shouting, crying, grace, grace unto it. Moreover, keep going, the word of the Lord came to him saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, his hand shall also finish it. And now shall know that the Lord of yours has sent me unto you. Go back to verse 7. I'm reading this. So he told me he's going to build it, right? And I'm reading the thing. And I'm going, he's telling him that. Now watch this. Watch this. This is going, this is going to help me. He said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So you can't physically do this thing. But spiritually you can. And look what he tells him. You ever? I told you about grace, grace. Remember grace, grace? Grace, grace? Oh, I got a better one than grace, grace. He said, yeah, grace, grace is good, but it get better in about a minute. He said, go get the headstone. Someone in the heavens a headstone. Why does he get specific about a headstone? So I looked it up. You know what a headstone is? It's the finished brick of the project. Jesus was called the cornerstone because he was the end. What is the finished brick of the project? Completion. He tells this dude in the middle of shambles and disarray, go get the capstone, the last block you would lay when the project is finished and start speaking to it and tell it grace grace watch us build this thing it just flew over your head a little bit i'll make it land he tells it bro it's a busted up everything it's a disaster zone he said here's what you do go get the finished stone put it up over here and every time you start moving towards this thing Put this thing, he's saying like this. He's like, put that stone 
right here. Now you ain't got no other stones. Put that stone right here, the end stone, the finished work. And when you're walking by, tell it, grace, grace. Stop focusing on what's not happening and start focusing on the God that's going to make it happen. Stop focusing on everybody else and focus on the rock, the Christ, the capstone. It represents the completion, and Jesus is the cornerstone. It's the enabling grace to do it. Speak to the stone and say, grace, grace. That enabling grace will come from Jesus on you to do it. Watch this. How do he say to build it? By speaking to it. That don't make no sense. But that's how God gets everything done. Speak to it. He, why do you think Moses got in trouble? He said, speak to the rock. Don't smack it with a stick. But when you get frustrated, what do you do? You start smacking things you're supposed to speak to. Woo, you better get that. You get that on the ride home, right? You over there, you got to start speaking to it. You got to speak to it. You ain't talking enough. Now, tomorrow when you're riding around, grace, grace. But what he said to do? Get the capstone. Get the finished brick and speak to it. What was he trying to tell him? It's, it's finished before you even started. I already completed it before you started it. It's already done before you start. And all you got to do is just keep speaking to it. All you got to do is speak to it. All you got to do is keep speaking to it. And the more you speak to it, the more you're going to start seeing what? Everything God said that could come to pass, it's got to come to pass. You believe it today? You got to speak to some stuff? Let's do it right now. Say this with me right now. Close your eyes. Father, thank you. Now I'm speaking situations and circumstances greater than ever before. I am going to see your hand move. And just like Zerubbabel, I'm going to start speaking grace, grace, everything in my life. I'm going to watch your power and watch your hand move supernaturally on my behalf. Thank you, Father, for leading me, guiding me, helping me. Thank you, Lord, for moving supernaturally. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give just an opportunity that maybe if you've not yet met Jesus and you need some of this grace in your life, well, you've come to the right place today. If you're here watching online or in this building and you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you want to ask him to be the Lord of your life so that you can have that supernatural grace, that ability in you, helping you to do what you cannot do yourself. If that's you and you're in this place, if you just want to lift your hand for me. This is a special moment between you and the Lord. No one looking around. See that hand. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's here to meet your needs today. Thank you, Lord. You can feel his presence in this place right now washing over you. His grace operating in you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, dear God, I thank you 
for sending Jesus to die for me. I ask you now, live in my heart. Cleanse me of my sins. Make me new. Give me your grace to do the things I can't. Thank you for loving me and being the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.